Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Welcome back to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson and uh, Ray Pritchard, and uh, we thank you for listening. If you want to watch the show, go to Facebook or YouTube and type in today's issues. Today's issues, you can watch the live video stream of the show. And Fred uh, and Steve and Chris give the stories that we talk about to our producer, Brent Creeley, and he posts them on our Facebook page so that if you heard us talk about a story, you can see where we got our information from by going to our Facebook page where we post said stories. Um, good morning, Steve. Good morning, Tim and Fred. Yes. Steve, is there any more about the story out of Houston regarding the concert where eight people died? Um, they're still investigating. The, la- the latest I heard is that uh, a lot of the people, there's one, I know there's one kid who's uh, a young person who's in a induced coma from brain trauma uh but so there's some very serious injuries we might we we might not stop at eight as far as the death count a lot of lawsuits and lawsuits are being uh, lawsuits are being filed against the the rappers the the artists who were performing uh saying that they um have a they had a dangerous um and what what is it called uh the the pit. mosh pit, mosh pit yeah. <laughs> and uh, that they had been warned before. Some of this this artist had been warned before that uh, their their surroundings are dangerous at their concerts. So lawsuits going to be a lot of people going to have some money. Yeah, the, the saddest thing is though, eight people are yeah. dead. Yeah, and, and and you're saying more are in the hospital. It's some very serious injuries in the hospital. Okay. Um. Very, very sad there, what happened uh, the other night in Houston. Well, uh, something that's of good news that we're participating in here at American Family Association and American Family Family Radio that many of you are, are doing, and that is a Christmas uh, shoebox Yes, that uh, many of you uh, are doing at individually or at, in your church. And it's called Operation Christmas Child. It's been going on for many, many years now. And uh, this time of year, we always like to have somebody on who's had their life impacted by this project by Samaritan's Purse Ministries. And joining us right now is Yves Duchamay. Did I get that right, Yves? Eve. Hey, close enough, Tim. Yes. <laughs> Good night. No, yes, brother, you're very right kind. There. I butchered your first name, <laughs> Eve. Uh, you spell Y V E S, and uh, but it's pronounced. Yeah, you know the French people and their silent letters, right? You know, <laughs> the silent S, the silent S, yeah. silent that. Vous êtes français? Oui, on parle un peu de français, mais ouais. on est on est africain d'origine. Bah, c'est c'est bon là. On, on va parler en yeah. français et, et um, tout le monde. <laughs> Timothée. Timothée. Personne ne va comprendre. We might leave some people behind. That's true. That's yeah, true. I think we're going to leave some people with us, the three of us yeah. there. We're just waxing eloquent yeah. in, in French here. 
where 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 good are morning, you? Good morning, guys. Where are you? Good morning. Where are you, Eve? Uh, I am in Buffalo, New York. Okay, and uh, yeah. to tell our listeners about your uh, about yourself, if you would, brother. Yeah, you know, um, I, my name is Eve Dushime, and uh, when I was 11 years old, I received a shoebox gift from Operation Christmas Child, and it has radically changed my life. Um, and I mean that quite literally. And I know it's a crazy thing to try and uh, and, and comprehend because those boxes are just full of hygiene items, school supplies, toys, and things like that. And you would think that, oh, how could such little tiny things, uh, just objects, make an impact on someone's life? But um, uh, in order for me to introduce myself, I have to talk about my past. And that's where I'm from. And uh, my family is originally from Rwanda. Um, uh, and uh, those listening and you guys, I know you're very familiar with what happened in Rwanda in 1994. And I, that's at the core of who I am. And um, who I was raised, uh, how I was raised, how I grew up, and uh, why that shoebox made the impact it did in, on my life. And to those listening that aren't familiar with the Rwandan genocide, this was a conflict that was sparked by a power struggle uh, between uh, two different tribes, and uh, ultimately it led to the to the killing, the slaughter of one million people in the span of 100 days. Uh, people, innocent people who lost their lives simply for the quote-unquote crime of being born in a tribe they didn't choose to be born into. And, um, you know, growing up, uh, Tim, I, uh, I went out of my way to look for hope in any way I could find it because all I knew from humanity, all I knew about humanity was the evil they were capable of because in the genocide, I lost my entire family, uh, my, my entire extended family. The only member I've ever met is my mom's little sister. Everyone else was killed. Um, oh. All I knew was the evil that humanity was capable of. But, you know, um, I found hope that things could be better, things could be different. When I was given my first ever gift from Operation Christmas Child, living in Togo in West Africa, and uh, that box changed my life because inside of it, at the very top, uh, there was a sticky note. And that sticky note read, God loves you, Jesus loves you, I love you. And I knew the first two lines. I was familiar with those. Because I grew up in the church, my parents are believers, uh, and they had told us that God loved us and Jesus loved us. But that last line um, was an I love you from a member of that very humanity I had grown to despise and sworn to despise for the rest of my life. But they were telling me, Eve, despite your hatred for me, um, I love you anyway. And here's proof of my love for you in the form of the first and only gift you've ever received. And um, that sticky note right there ignited this process of uh, of change. It was the catalyst uh, to turn me into the person I am today. And I've never been the same. And I am so grateful to those out there that pack shoeboxes because they're impacting the lives of people in a real, genuine, and tangible way. Uh, were, were you, um, or, or, I mean, were you, you were around in 89 when the uh, genocide. genocide took place there? No, so so the genocide took place um, in in 1994. In April of 1994 is when it started. Uh, when the president's plane was shot down in April on April 6th of 1994, uh, that was the day all of that started. And at the time, I wasn't actually born yet. Gotcha. Uh, my mom was eight months pregnant with me. Gotcha. Uh, so I was born in August of 1994, three and a half weeks after my family fled Rwanda. So I was actually born in a refugee camp. 
and lived in uh, situations like that, uh, environments like refugee camps, slums. We've lived in eight countries, mind you know, my, in my upbringing, because we had to bounce around the world. Everywhere we would go, people would tell us they didn't want our kind there, quote unquote, our kind there, because it was regular civilians that had failed other civilians. So I was actually born in the dirt of the refugee camps of the Democratic Republic of Congo next door. Wow. A month after my family said Rwanda. What, yeah. what, 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 what age were you when you got the shoebox? I was 11 years old. Um, I was 11. So 11 years of living in refugee camps. Um, but but how did, how, how did I guess I'm asking uh, uh, I think I know the answer to this at least in part but I want a shoebox change your life really really after all you went through <laughs> uh, yeah but you're saying you're saying that started you on the road to knowing Christ and changing yeah. your life and changing your whole worldview and everything go ahead yeah you know Tim I I, I um I grew up in the church right and growing up. Uh, in, in the refugee camps we lived in, I started looking around to the other families near near us, and I realized that they had a different like family dynamic. They had different people that we didn't have. So, you know, as I grew up, I began to ask the tough questions, like, Mom and Dad, you know, where are our uncles? Where are our grandfather? Where are, where are all these people? And eventually, our parents began to explain to us that they had been killed by their neighbors and stuff. And... I just I had this hatred for him. I hated people. I hated Rwandan people because of what they had done. But to me, the entire world had just stood idly by for over three months and did nothing to try and stop this incredible, like one of the worst atrocities to have ever befallen humanity. And nobody came to to help. And that just fostered this hatred in my heart. And uh, this is really interesting because I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad are pastors, and they would tell us growing up, Eve, it doesn't matter. You know, what happens to us, it doesn't matter how many people spit in our faces and turn us away. It doesn't matter how many times we get called murderers. The first time I was called a murderer to my face, then I was I was 10 years old. But Dad would insist it didn't matter what happened to us. We must love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. And uh, to me, that was absolute nonsense because I had never experienced any kind of love from anybody that wasn't my mom, dad, or my siblings. Um, so when that shoebox... Uh, came from a complete stranger out there in the world. It was God's way to begin that incredible work of healing where he started to just reveal himself to me in a different light, in a, in a way I'd never seen him before. And, uh, and reminding me of just a couple of things, and those were uh, Eve of this broken humanity as you perceive it, which is how you can justify hating them for who they are. If they can put their, their, their horrible you know tendencies aside, if there's someone out there in that broken humanity, who is capable of loving you, a total stranger, and, and spending all this money. Because to us, that box is worth thousands of, of, of our currency growing up. That was a lot of money. If they can do such a thing towards you, a total stranger, then one, what's your excuse? Why can't you pay for it? And two, if this broken humanity, as you perceive it, can demonstrate such a tangible love towards you, how much greater do you think my love, me, the Father above, my love for you is? And um, that work of healing started as a result of that sticky note in that shoebox. And Amen. of course, to those listening, it, did, it didn't happen overnight. Of course not. It happened over time. And I'm still a work in progress. Well, how, did God, you, how, did you, um, how did you get How did you get to the U.S.? Yeah, so we, we um, uh, three years after we, uh, we received our shoeboxes, 
three years after just God humbled me and met me exactly where I was using the most unexpected thing. Um, we, we heard from the U.S. government about uh, a program we had applied to seven years prior, from 2001. So there's a refugee resettlement program that's run by the United Nations, um, the, the UNHCR, the branch of the UN that resettles and takes care of refugees in those refugee camps. Uh, every year they have a program where they resettle refugees from refugee camps to developed nations to help them fulfill their potential. So the U.S., Canada, Europe, Australia... Some of these places take in refugees, but it's not a very common program. Only one to two percent of the applicants ever, ever get accepted. So we applied in 2001. Uh, seven years went by, so we figured we had fallen in the no pile. Uh, but seven years later, they called us and said, hey, you've been approved and we are moving you to a place called Buffalo, New York in eight days. That's how we got to the U.S. Wow. Well, we're talking to Eve. Uh Duchamme, and uh, yes, <laughs> uh, I nailed it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes, I was going to say he's been practicing. You guys, if you're just <laughs> listening, you're just joining us. He well, had he had some practice. No, no, you can go ahead and laugh. It was it was it was a laughable um, uh, the way I mispronounced your name at first. Uh, yeah, Vaz yeah. Duchamme. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know that, um, <laughs> but. Uh, you nailed it the second time around. I got it. I got it. Uh, uh, anyway, thank you, brother, for being on. And uh, if people were listening and they want to participate in Operation Christmas Child uh, to provide shoeboxes such as the one that changed your life, how can they do that? Uh, you know, um, so these shoeboxes are filled with hygiene items. So a bar of soap, a washcloth, a toothbrush. Or school supplies, notebooks, uh, pencils, pens, um, toys, uh, all, all the, a lot of different things. As long as they, they won't harm the box, so liquid things can't go because they might spill and ruin the box, and, and they won't harm the child. So knives, you know, tactical knives and things like that, people have put in there. Uh, survivalists out there can 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 feel uh, led to do that, but we don't encourage you doing that. So you can just grab any old shoe box, fill it. Uh, with all the items that you want to send to a child around the world, clothing, whatever it is, toys. Um, and you can drop them off during National Collection Week, which this year is going to be uh, the third week uh, of November. So um, uh, the 15th, so next Monday uh, to the 22nd, the Monday after that, you can drop them off at a drop-off location near you. And the best way to find out where that is, as well as, find out what other details uh, you need or what other things you can put in your shoebox is to go to our website, SamaritansPurse.org uh, slash OCC. Uh, so that's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. That's Operation Christmas Child. And there's going to be a zip code locator where you can go ahead and actually type in your zip code and you will list the closest drop-off locations near you. And you can take that shoebox and drop it off during those open hours that you'll see listed on that website. Um, Tim. Okay. Uh, now, I've seen most of the shoeboxes I've seen weren't regular shoeboxes out of the closet, but people got from the department store their, their operate, their specific, yeah. their specific, uh, they got their red and green and they got the operation. The red specific. and green. Yeah. 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 Where do you get yes. those? Yeah. We, we, so those um, uh, can be um, acquired from uh, like participating churches, participating businesses, 
usually earlier on in the year and in October gotcha. and September, they'll order them online. Uh, but because of how late in the game this is, you gotcha. can use any shoebox. They don't have to be those. Uh, in fact, I encourage people to go to uh, the local department stores and find plastic boxes. You can usually fit a little more in those as well. Gotcha. Uh, you're encouraged to do that. And that plastic box is a shoebox. It's a gift in its own. And uh, if I can just leave your listeners with one more thing, uh, it's just this, you know, as I was listening to um, your program before you invited me on, I just, you were talking about the horrific nature of what happened at that festival. And yes. uh, so much more of that is going on around the world. There's so much brokenness. There's so much awfulness happening around the world. And uh, the world has been in crisis for the last 18 months because of this pandemic. And we've suffered here in the U.S. And we live in virtually one of the wealthiest societies on the planet. And if we are suffering as much as we have, um, I can only, you know, can you imagine what, you know, third world countries, developing countries are, are, are doing? And uh, my encouragement is this, now more than ever, the world is in need of hope. And that shoebox gift is a hope. It carries yeah. hope. And I experienced that in my own life. And uh, if I can just encourage you out there listening to go and pack a shoebox, uh, you may be able to change someone's life in a, in a real and tangible way. All right. Thank, thank you, brother. Uh, we wish you the best. And uh, thanks for sharing your testimony. And we will hopefully meet you sometime. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. So thank you so much for having me. Hey, you're welcome. That's Eve Deshame from Operation Christmas Child. Grew up in, what do you say, Rwanda? He was, well, he grew up in Rwanda and then was uh, at a camp in Congo, in the Congo. Yeah. And then transferred to Buffalo, yeah. New York. What a change. Mm. <laughs> from Congo to story. Buffalo, New York. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, I want to talk about Joe Biden using his uh, Justice Department as a weapon. <laughs> Turns out, have you guys remember James O'Keefe, the Project Veritas guy? He's the yes. guy that has uh, reporters, and he himself goes undercover into different situations and brings out some interesting and sometimes very troubling details uh, surrounding whatever he's investigating. Uh, well, the uh, it turns out that he has a um, he has a diary of Joe Biden's daughter Ashley. Now she's an adult now, but he has this. She has uh, he Veritas has the diary, and just uh, this week the FBI came knocking. Well, they didn't come knocking; they knocked his door down. They arrested him. They put him in, in handcuffs. They went and they took his phones um, for a diary. Not not state secrets, unless they put state secrets in there. This was things that might not be positive toward the president. And he's using the FBI to knock down doors just to get that so that the information... That well, did might, they get it? Yeah, well, they, I don't know if they got the diary. They got phones. He was but they went after the diary, right? They wanted the diary. Um, and I don't know, he doesn't... He's kind of vague about where that is it might not be on that but he uh what is it what is the the federal bureau of investigation fbi mm -hmm. is going after the president's daughter's diary yeah first question is uh is that a crime for him to have somebody else's diary is that is that a federal crime right i don't even think they had it i don't I, I, maybe they did but I saw a page that purported to be it, uh, which which was not very uh, listen, did not sh shine good light on Biden. But listen, if Ray 
My thoughts are if, if you got something stolen, you call your sheriff or your police department and let them well, invest. Isn't, isn't that the issue? Nobody says that Project Veritas stole the diary. Right. And first of all, the, the whole, the authenticity of it is still somewhat up in the air, right? But wherever it came from, it was stolen. It was given to Project Veritas. They said they didn't publicize it because they said they couldn't determine whether it was authentic or not. So, um, did did he even was it actually in his possession when they came and knocked down the door? I mean, the whole story, Steve, is so strange. It and is what what uh, gets me about it is this is the uh, like a personal affront to the president. This is the president using the FBI to guard his his you know secrets. Um, well, listen, sometimes things are as, are as easy as. Uh, what you're seeing. I mean, it's as easy as what you think happened. That's what happened. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm speculating here, but I think what happened here is uh, the FBI does what Biden says do. Mm-hmm. And he said, so you go, you go rattle these people. Okay. This is a conservative uh, organization and they expose the lies and hypocrisy of the left on a regular basis. If we can shut them down, intimidate them, uh, scare them, then uh, that'll benefit the cause of Democrats and liberals. So I'm not saying Biden instructed this to happen, although he could have. They they basically, you sick the FBI on Project Veritas over a diary. I mean, the FBI seems to me should be investigating uh, you know what I'm saying? A serious crimes against our country. Well, but this not, com- this, not a diary missing. This comes just days after the Attorney General of the United States acted on a letter from a school board that went to a friend at the White House. The White House says to the Attorney General of the United States, hey, we got dangerous parents out there. Yeah. They're showing up at school board meetings and they're angry over what's going on. So the Attorney General of the United States says... Hey, if you want some FBI help going after those parents, I'm going to do it. You for got you. a better explanation, Steve, than what I said. Well, I I do know that the to raid a house like that, the FBI would have to have a warrant, and right. to get a warrant, they would have had to have gone to a judge. And so, I'm wondering if maybe the, some of the information on the phones that they that the FBI confiscated, the or other information that he has, because he's got a lot of projects going on. Maybe they're concerned about some of those more than the diary and just use the I'm just saying you have a diary of the yeah. daughter uh, I don't know what we was doing missing or how that came to be but what what is I'm just saying if you got a stolen prop piece of property unless it's a nuclear football right you just call the cops or the sheriff's department and report it you know what happened if I the fact call- that you could sick the FBI on a on a on a person our group over uh, uh, a diary is just bizarre to me. If I was to call the sheriff here or the cops yeah. in Tupelo and say, hey, someone stole uh, my diary, yeah. would you go get it? They'd, they'd look at me and say, your diary. That's what I'm saying. It, it, this just seems like to me it's it, they're targeting Project Veritas because they are a conservative group. It's mm-hmm. an egregious abuse of power. You agree? Right? Agreed. That's what it appears? Agreed. 100%. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Steve. My pleasure. It was a blessing to have on our guest, Eve Dushame, third time got it right, in a row, uh, in a row. 
in a row. Not third time is the charm. Third time I got it right in a row. Thanks to Brent Creeley for writing that phonetically. (laughs) So I could do that three times in a row. Thank you, Fred. You bet. Ray, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Okay, folks, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I think Brother Ed will be with us then, Ed Battagliano. So we will see you back here tomorrow. Have a good day. Keep listening to American Family Radio. 